0: Welcome. It's good to be here and gather in God's presence to worship together as God's people. And so it's a a gift, and we're thankful for the chance to be together in in person in this space. But I also remind you that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are joining us and watching online. And so we're thankful that in Christ, by God's Spirit, we are united uh, in God's grace towards us. As we begin our time, just a couple announcements. um, one thing to note, If we don't have a time of giving in our service, so if you'd like to give to the work of the church, there is a, an offering plate in the back, or you can give online. Also, we have the privilege of participating in the sacrament of baptism. Um, so we're very thankful that, that Audrey Jankowski will be baptized as part of our service. Also just wanna make a note that uh, the next, next two weekends that we'll have a guest speaker, Andy Abernathy, who is a professor of Old Testament at Wheaton College, will be speaking. And good news, his specialty is the Book of Isaiah, so that's good, so he should be well-suited to continue the Isaiah uh, series. So thankful that Andy will join us uh, next weekend. Uh, As another announcement, Munch has an announcement on behalf of the deacons to let us know about ways that we can serve Waters School. Come on up. Hi,
1: Hello, everyone. So in years past, uh, we've been able to put together Thanksgiving baskets baskets for families at Waters. Um, And this year, we were talking about a way to do that, and so we're gonna do it through um, donations, uh, and you'll be able to do that in the same way you give either online or um, through a check in the offering plate in the back. Um, And there'll be more information about this uh, in the next service and in the email to come, but please keep an eye out for that we're happy to be able to try to do this for those families uh, for this Thanksgiving. Thanks,
0: Thanks much. If you have questions about um, the donation towards gift cards for the Waters uh, Thanksgiving meals, then, you know, please talk to Munch after the service or any of the deacons. Again, we're thankful that we can continue that, not be able to give physical baskets, but to give cards, uh, gift cards to the families uh, at Waters School. Well, God calls us to come and to worship, and let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God.
2: The worship is from Psalm 23. Will you please stand with me?
3: Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake.
0: take a moment to remind us of the sacrament of baptism and it is a joy for us to participate in this gift that God gives us in Christ. Uh, It's a joy for us to uh, welcome Audrey Grace Jankowski into the life of the church. It's a joy for us to be reminded of God's goodness and his provision, not just to Matt and Libby but to all of us. Just a reminder that baptism is a sign, something that we can see that we can help us understand who God is and what it means to be part of his people. And so first we see that it is water that washes, that cleanses, that God can do in Christ what we cannot do, which is to give new life, to wash us fully clean in his grace. It's also a sign of us being welcomed into the name of Christ, that we are now part of the people of God in this location under the name of Jesus. And so we trust that by God's grace and by his means of grace through his people, that Audrey will have this sign not just upon her skin, but in her heart through the ministry of his spirit to the church. So it's a good sign and good news, not just for Matt and Libby and their family, but for all of us when we see it, a reminder of God's grace and his welcome into his people. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this sign that you give us in Christ, that he established to help us to know you. As an invitation but also as an assurance that our place is not because of what we have done or will do but because of your willingness and ability to wash us new and clean and give us new life we thank you that our place here in the family of god is is through christ jesus that you are the one who welcomes us and establishes us and so we pray that whoever we are this day that we see this water it would remind us of your grace and welcome to us in christ in jesus name we pray amen well, this time, Matt and Libby, why do you come forward with your, your family? <laughs> I want to take a moment, there's, there's Matt and Libby Jankowski and Nora and Luke and Audrey, who's been coming forward to be baptized. And so let me ask you the questions that we ask parents as they bring their children to be baptized. Matt and Libby, do you acknowledge Audrey's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Do you claim God's covenant promises on her behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do for your own? (laughs) Do you now unreservedly dedicate Audrey to God? and promise in humble reliance upon God's grace, that you'll set before her a godly example, that you'll pray with and for her, that you'll teach her the faith, and that you'll strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What is your daughter's full Christian name? This is Audrey Grace Jankowski. Audrey Grace, I baptize you in the name of the Father, (laughs) the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray for Audrey. Lord, we thank you for this gift of life. We thank you for Audrey. We thank you for how she is a blessing to Matt and to, to Libby, to, to Nora and to Luke, and how she is a sign of joy and life to us as well as the church. We pray, Lord, that this water will not just be upon her skin, but would, you would be at work in her heart by your spirit. And Lord, we thank you already for the gifts you've given Audrey. We pray that those gifts will not just be a, a source of joy for her, but they would bring joy and benefit to others that she would be one who loves her neighbors in the name of Christ. Please guide her and walk with her, lead her. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I invite you to stand together. You'll see on your order of worship a a responsive blessing. This is a way for us to acknowledge that we are receiving and welcoming Audrey into the life of our church. Audrey, may the Lord preserve your going out and your coming in. From this time forth and forevermore. Amen.
3: As we go to the Lord in prayer, let's take a moment to pause, uh, to reflect upon what is what we are coming with, with our soul and our heart this evening. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, heavenly and gracious Father, the highest heavens are yours. The countless stars are yours. The hidden depths of the seas are yours. Everything and everyone that has breath is yours. You execute your justice and righteousness perfectly and without corruption. You reign over every nation, government and leader and all owe you glory and honor. We thank you that by your mercy and grace, you extended your steadfast love and goodness towards us in Jesus Christ, who took on our flesh, knew our pain and suffered on our behalf so that we might have life in you. Lord God, we recognize that although you are powerful and good, we can often feel the opposite. The world around us feels uneasy, and often we encounter evil and abuse and corruption more than compassion, mercy, and love. God, hear our prayer for mercy. This past week, we have witnessed the rise in COVID-19 cases across our city, nation, state, and world as we brace for this new wave. We find ourselves exhausted by restrictions, limitations, fear, mistrust, and doubt. Bring healing to the sick and to those who are suffering from this virus. Comfort those who have lost loved ones and give us strength to persevere in the face of mounting uncertainty and unknowns. God, if you are righteous and a just God, we plead that you act and bring genuine and real justice to those who are crying out for justice today. We grieve the continued violence against minorities without repercussions for those who wield power. We pray for justice so that there might be a lasting peace in our communities and city. Lastly, we do want to pray for the provision of a new worship place. Lord, we are thankful for the ways that you have provided for us already. But Lord, we do feel like we don't quite have a home. And and Lord, we pray that you would provide for us during this time. We pray that by your spirit, you would strengthen us by this word and sacrament, giving us grace to live as those who do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, uh, it is right and good for us to confess our sins and our burdens to him. So we'll do this first publicly and then have a moment of private confession. Would you join me in prayer? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin to God. Lord, we are prone to forget your promises. We are prone to see only ourselves and to live as though you, Lord, are powerless in the face of our circumstances. Take a moment to pray to God. Lord God, although we often fall short and we find ourselves faithless, you remain faithful to us and you forgive us by the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, would you please stand with me and uh, we will recite these words of assurance that come from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Amen.
1: The New Testament lesson is from 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And the gospel lesson is from Matthew 22, verses 34 through 46. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, what do you think about the Christ, whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord.
0: I mentioned at the beginning, it's good to be with you and have a chance to worship, and I'm thankful for an opportunity to look at God's word with you. Uh, We're going to continue looking at the book of Isaiah, as we've been doing this fall. We're going to look at the beginning of chapter 53. Uh, But before we read that together, I want to take a moment to reflect on kind of entering into the passage and the context of it. James Baldwin has a quote that I think is helpful for us as we think about our passage. He says, love love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. Love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. Maybe as you hear that, you can think of such moments or experiences of freeing and affirming love. Maybe in family or in marriage in church or in friendships. Or maybe we feel the pain of its absence, a longing for a love that would allow us to be seen or to be free. Or maybe what we think about is not so much love, but we think about the masks that Baldwin references, about what things we cling to in order to hide or to belong or have a sense that people will think well of us Well that quote seems significant to me and one reason it does in times of uncertainty, when we see our own sin or our attempts at control or when we feel the mistreatment from others, it's especially in such times that we are tempted to cling to those masks that we have sculpted over time. Whether it be that you are strong or that you're unaffected, that you are confident, that you are righteous, could be all sorts of things. But what I want us to think about and hear is that love, one of the things that love can do is it takes off masks. It frees us from them. And in our passage, we're invited to think about and to meditate on the loving actions of our God that free us. But before we look at our passage and think about that, it's helpful to have some context, again, to, to remind us in this large book of Isaiah what's going on. And then remember, that the people have experienced a significant trauma. In 586 B.C., Babylon, the superpower of the day and of the region, has captured Jerusalem. The city fell. The temple was destroyed. Many of the leaders and many of the people were taken out of the land into exile in Babylon. And all these terrible events happened between chapter 39 and chapter 40 of Isaiah. It's like a silent abyss. Isaiah doesn't give us the details, but it is the context, it's the looming reality for chapter 40 onward in the book. Something devastating has happened. And in this pain and loss and disorientation, God sends his prophet Isaiah to make an announcement over and over again. And we heard some of them the last few weeks, comfort, comfort, my people says, you're God. Behold, your God is coming to you, and when he comes, his arm will come with power and with tenderness. Hear the good news, Isaiah says to those who are overwhelmed, God has not forgotten you, and your story, your relationship with God does not end with your sin or with others mistreating you. The prophet encourages weary and exhausted people that God will care for them. And so today in our passage in 53, chapter 53, we look at this question of how will God reveal His care? If it's true that God will comfort His people, will give care to those who are exhausted, what will it look like? How will God show a love that can free us? A love that removes the masks that we have? So let's look at our passage. This is Isaiah 53 verse 1 through 12, you can follow on your order of worship, or just listen as I read. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, He shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is God's word given for our good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that your spirit would be with us, not only to help us hear, but that you would minister to us, comforting us in our weariness and in our fears. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we make our way through this important passage, there's two parts of the sermon, two questions that I want us to, make, to think about. The first one is the one I mentioned in the introduction. How will God express his comfort? How will he reveal His arm. And the second one is, what does it mean for us, the church, that Jesus is the full expression of this servant, of this one that came? So first, how how will God express his comfort? Our passage starts with a couple questions. Who has believed and how has the Lord's arm been revealed? You see, Isaiah is inviting us into the question I mentioned in the introduction, you know, how will God show care for the weary? How will he keep his promises? His arm, which is a kind of the symbol of his saving power, how will it be shown to everybody? And this is a chance for us to think, in the face of a strong enemy like Babylon or those who are oppressing the people, it would make sense, right, that we would imagine an announcement of an overwhelming power, an overwhelming might. But what we see, what you heard read in the passage is one about suffering, humiliation, and loss. And what we can see at the beginning is that the arm of the Lord is a person. And he is a servant who suffers. You see, the question about how God is going to establish his kingdom is one that Isaiah is very interested in. In answer, he presents us with some lead agents, we can call them. Persons who will embody God and his kingdom, who will represent God and establish God's plans. And in the first part of the book, chapters 1 through 39, this lead agent is a king, a king from David's line, who will rule with justice and righteousness. Maybe remember that from the earlier chapters, that here's one who will rule not with a bias towards the rich or those who appear well, but with equity for the poor, he will have concern for the vulnerable. But in the second part of Isaiah, our section today, a new agent is described. Instead of a ruler, this agent is described as a servant. And this servant will reconcile God with his people through his suffering. The servant takes on himself suffering and sin of Israel and all the nations, and he lovingly bears away their pain and sorrow. So how will God express his comfort? And the answer that we have is that it will be in the Lord's servant. For us to kind of think through that question further and make our way through the passage, I want us to see that this revelation of the servant is first he joins God's people, he identifies with God's people, and he renews God's people. See, God through his servant joins his people's experience of exile. We gotta try to think and use our imagination, think of one who's in exile of a refugee, one forced from his or her home and life, by the power of another. Let's think from a of being unsettled, uncertain. Questions about appearance and acceptance, one who might be ignored or looked down upon, carrying memories of trauma and pain, wondering who am I? Or what will my future be if I have one? And the servant joins such an experience. Our passage tells us he knows sorrow, And he comes forth like a shoot, like a root out of dry and weary ground. He has no form or majesty, no beauty. In fact, he is despised and rejected by men acquainted with grief. We think about God acting, right? We want to think about a deliverer who dominates, right? Forceful, isn't that what we need? One who crushes or tosses aside those who do not agree, this one, who are described, it does not fit that picture. The servant grows up a scrawny seedling struggling for life, a scrubby plant in a parched field. The eyes of the people flicker across him and do not even see him. He has his own problems. He's not one of the winners. How can he be of any help? But an exiled people, those who know displacement and the consequences of false hope or the mistreatment of others, they need someone to come and join them. What I suggest is that if we think about our own circumstances, we too, in times of weariness and uncertainty, when we wonder which mask will bring us success or a sense of control or protection, we need someone to draw near and join us as well. You see the first thing we see about this servant is that he joins the experience of exile. But this movement doesn't just stop with joining, it moves to the point of intimate identification, of identifying with us. You see the lo- the servant lovingly bears the people's need. Did you notice the, the passage maybe some of that's very maybe it's familiar to us. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We are like sheep that have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him our iniquity. You see this level of identification Here's one who suffers deeply, crushed, oppressed, afflicted, put to grief, yet the suffering is not due to his own choices or his own misdeeds. Rather, he suffers because he identifies with human sin and misery. He identifies with us. He joins us and unites with us. This passage brought to my mind a scene from a novel called Lila, Lila by Marilyn Robinson tells this scene of a man saying, once he told me that there was a storm and a bird had flown into the house. During this great storm, a bird made its way into the house. He had never seen a bird like it. The wind must have carried this bird from a long distance, some far off place. So what did he do? He opened all the doors and he opened all the windows But the bird was so desperate to escape that for a while, it just flew around, it could not find a way out. And what his experience was, as he said, it left a blessing in the house. It left a blessing in the house, he said, the wildness of it, bringing the wind inside. If you can picture such a scene, invites us to picture this servant actually as a source of disruption. Something that we want to keep out has come in. Something that we don't really want to see is on display. But the result of this disruption is a new air coming in, an, an opening. The spirit or the wind entering an old house. You see that when the servant comes in, when he joins us or identifies with us, what that means is that we, when we look at him, we see ourselves. When we see his sorrow and his guilt and his weariness, if we look, we see ourselves. And therefore, Isaiah says that the people pulled away, they esteemed him not. This servant who shows up to identify is an unwanted guest because he confronts the people, confronts us with our condition and our need. Of course, he not only suffered, that means. He not only suffered, but he was rejected by the very ones he came to serve. He was rejected by those he joined and identified with. You say they offered their verdict. He was cut off from the land of the living and his grave was set with the wicked. Yet in this disruption, he let in the wind and the spirit and opened up the windows. And therefore, you and I, we have the choice that we can turn away from the reality that he shows to us, this mirror that he gives to us to see ourselves. We can turn away, or we can look and see that God joins us, and by God's presence, we are not alone. The servant comes in, allowing us to name our condition and name our need and name our sorrow to take down our masks. The servant joins, identifies with his people, and he renews them. Even though he was rejected, he brings a reversal and renewal. His chastisement brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. Out of the anguish of his soul, by the bearing of our iniquities, he makes many righteous. He joins and identifies with us, but more than that, he suffers on our behalf, suffers in our place. And the language here is that the the very soul of this servant becomes like a guilt offering to God. By offering his life, he takes away the guilt of many, restoring us to God. So how does God express his comfort to bring forth an arm that is powerful yet tender? We see it in the servant who joins, identifies, and renews. The second question I want us to ask with the rest of our time is, what does it mean for us, the church, that Jesus is the full expression of this one? What does it mean that Jesus is the full expression? The poet A.M. Juster describes grace in this way in one of his poems, grace is the will to reclaim things the will to reclaim things, to recover what has been lost. In Jesus, the servant is the full expression of God who because of his great love did not leave us in our sin and exile, but reclaims us. You see, Jesus is this wonderful picture of bringing together the description of God's agents in Isaiah. Here in Jesus, we find this surprising combination of a king who is righteous and just, who cares for the vulnerable and with equity for the poor, but he's also the servant who lays down his life and bears our guilt to make us righteous. And therefore, in numerous places in the Gospels, we're told that here is the picture of what Isaiah was imagining and understanding and hoping for, what God was promising through the prophet. In Matthew, we're told that Jesus takes our infirmities upon himself and brings new justice. Mark, were told that Jesus' mission is to suffer and to lay down his life for the flock, to give his life as a ransom for many. And we see this clearly in the cross of Jesus. And there in the cross, we grasp the tension of Isaiah's vision. Did you notice that Isaiah says, The one who is crushed, who becomes an offering for guilt, this one will see his offspring. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Think about that tension that we're invited to. The one who will be crushed, he will have an offspring. And in his work, God's will will prosper. You see, we, the church, are the offspring of the one who was crushed. We are the new community rooted in his service, in his offering of his very soul. One way the scriptures speak about our iniquity is through the image of clothing. The Apostle Paul talks about how we are robed, how we wear clothing that is stained with our sin and our struggles. Garments of selfishness, tattered by our lies and deceit, stained by our lusts and greed, dirtied by the mistreatment and malice of others. All of us were invited to see is our clothes have have been marked and defiled. That we walk each day wearing these clothes, carrying hurt and burdens, shame and stains. And the reality is that all of us then have to make attempts. How do we own or how do we hide or how do we deal with these tatters and stains? We wear masks, do we learn to compare ourselves to others? Do we distract ourselves with certain pursuits or certain numbing? What's well, in this picture that the scriptures give us of our need that Jesus, the servant, joins us, identifies with us, brings new life by his cross and resurrection. Because, see, the scripture tells us because of his great love, he took our dirty garments on himself. He takes up our stained and tattered clothing and puts them on. And so as we look, as He is looked down upon or dismissed, he is entering into our rejection. When Jesus is slandered and wounded, he is bearing your grief. When Jesus is dragging the heavy cross through Jerusalem, he's carrying your sin. When He's nailed to the tree, he's being bound for my transgresses. When taken down and wrapped in bare cloth or death, he submits. To our death. See, Jesus, the servant, has come to receive our garments, to wear them, and to take them into the grave, into the judgment of God, that they may be put away now and forever, and that in faith through Christ, we are now robed in his righteousness, that nothing can stain, nothing can mar. This is the good news of Christ and the work of the servant. And if that's true for us, then we can ask, what would be like for us to live as his people? You see, his service to you and to me is not just to atone for our guilt, to give us new clothing, but to show us a path of life, to create a community of servants. Of course, we can't atone for each other's sins, but we are called to be servants to one another and to our neighbors. The challenge for you and I is to hear that Those around us, they will know that we are followers of Christ, and we love one another. See, Jesus' work as a servant wasn't just to atone for your sin, but to teach you how to live, to teach us how to live. It's possible, if you're like me, there are times where we wish that our calling as a community would be more about force or showing how we're superior, Showing how we have answers that others do not. But that's not Jesus' way. The way of the servant is to take his resources and to give of them for those who need them. For the rich to become poor, that the poor might become rich. To love not just who love you back, but to love your enemies. So therefore Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another, then the world will know That you belong to me let us receive the care of the servant and let us walk in his ways amen lord thank you for who you are that you do not leave us in our sin and exile and misery but lord you have joined us drawn near to us inviting us even to acknowledge our need that we might find forgiveness and walk in new ways we give you thanks in jesus name amen
2: Thank mm. you.
3: Would you uh, please stand with me and we will say this prayer together? Thank you, Jody. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You may be seated. Well, I would invite you, uh, for those of you who are participating here or at home, to go ahead and get your elements prepared and ready. Uh, For those of you who are not here with us or do not have the elements with you, uh, we are so thankful that you are here and And pray that this will be a time of refreshment uh, as we eat together uh, as the people of God. Chad ended his sermon with this note that as this community, this offspring that has been formed, uh, we are those who walk in the way of the cross, the way of suffering. Um, And I don't know about you, uh, but that sounds exhausting and tiring. Um, But yet our God is loving. He does not leave us to just go figure that out on our own. He gives us his grace. And one of the ways he does that is through this table, through bread and through wine, feeding us by his spirit. Um, and these, these symbols, this bread and this wine, they point to the one, uh, the servant, the one who died, the one who was marred until he was unrecognizable so that we could be recognized and received. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you do not leave us uh, to feed ourselves, but you by your spirit feed us uh, through your words and through your sacraments. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we gather together, that you would unite our hearts and our minds as we feed upon you by your spirit through this bread and through this wine. We pray that you would it would strengthen us uh, for the week and the days ahead. We ask this in the name of our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Take, do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, Jesus took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread, and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. The blood of Christ given for you take and drink let us pray giving god thanks gracious god we thank you that by your by the blood of jesus christ and by his body that you have given us life lord we give you praise that you are the one who have died for us so that we might live you are the God who has given us these elements to strengthen us for the days and weeks to come. We thank that you for these. Amen. Amen. Well, Would you please stand with me and we will say these words in response to the table. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Amen. Now receive these words of blessing from the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in the peace of Christ.